0: a pretty big announcement i have a new co-host okay she was originally a guest this is mike hope you guys remember we haven't been uh together in a while i've been off on the campaign trail but now i have a new co-host in the form of kimmy Yay! Whoa, All right. okay so she's she's a, a fellow young republican she's in with the uh, central virginia yrs and today in her debut we have another virginia republican in fact the chairman of the yrfv jessie robert welcome jesse hey nice to be with you guys hey jesse I all can't right so let's let's start off with you know you were you were just elected taking over from uh for thomas turner mm-hmm. okay so 2021 is a big year we have a pretty big shot to actually win the governor's mansion. How are you going to utilize uh, the YRs uh, as, as chairman?
1: Yeah, hour? so uh, Thomas has definitely laid a fantastic foundation over the last two years, uh, really built our organization up. So there's a lot of opportunity this year um, setting up. As you said, we have the best chance at a statewide election that we've had in probably 10 years. We've got House of Delegates candidates contesting in almost every district. Hopefully by the deadline, we will have every district filled. Um, So it's definitely a super exciting year. I know that we have more YR candidates running than we've had had before. Um, So there is a a ton of opportunity for our Federation to be involved and we're thrilled. Uh, One of the big things that we're gonna be doing this year, along with a recruitment drive, is bringing in some pretty substantial national resources to support our candidates. So um, actually, yesterday, I had a meeting with Grant Yunkin to discuss some deployment plans, to talk with them about how we can support them. So we're very excited to kick that off very soon. Uh, I know Kimmy's going to be on the Campaigns Committee, so she'll be helping out there as well. Um, normally, in Virginia, we've gotten a maximum of, of one nationally supported deployment, which is basically a weekend-long day of action where we bring in YRs from all over the country, they knock out a couple thousand voter contacts, um, and we do that in targeted races where we feel like we can have a huge effect either flipping a seat or holding a very, very contentious seat, and we'll knock for the full ticket. So um, at the end of April, I was in Milwaukee at our national meeting. Uh, I just finished serving two years as our national committee woman, so that that was a great setup to uh, being chair and, and learning the ropes with Thomas. So I spoke with our national chairman, and he said that we're probably going to have Uh, between two and four nationally supported deployments. We're gonna plan for four. Uh, We're gonna be inviting in YRs from all over the country to help us out anytime that we're active. Um, And so so we're coordinating with the campaign to make sure that we can have lots of opportunities for our YRs to go out and make voter contacts. Last year, we made about 600,000 voter contacts for President Trump, and we're hoping to increase our members and increase our voter contact numbers. We were uh, number 10 in the nation last year for, for activism, and so we're hoping to get number one this year.
0: <laughs> that's, that's, that's incredible. incredible. And, and, you know, we have a, such an exciting ticket this year. We have Glenn Youngkin. Yes. We have Winston Sears. We have Jason Meares. Um Kimmy, how do, how do you and Jesse know each other? How did you guys get to me? Because we're all YRs, and it, it's funny. Like, we've all connected, and we're all, like, three degrees of separation between each other.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Jesse and I met through the YRs actually. And um, I think just fighting on the battlefield. (laughs) Um, And Mike, you and I met because of your dad and is the treasurer of the local unit here. So yeah, it's been it's it certainly brings people together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know Kimmy and I kind of fought in the trenches last year. We had our party convention, and we both worked with uh, Grow Our Party, the Grow Our Party team, to mm-hmm. uh, make sure that we could maintain the YR voice on State Central, along with the Women's Federation, the College Republicans. So I know that was one of our first opportunities to work together and, and definitely uh, found a, a lasting friendship, which is great.
0: Well, I'm, I'm glad you said grow our party because, you know, I think all three of us, I'm sure we have different views on, on a few things, but it's so important to stick together, especially as YRs. What can you do to set an example? Because I feel like, uh, you know, no offense to the older generation, but the older generation I think is very set in their ways when it comes to purity tests in the Republican Party. How can we grow our party going forward, and how can we all stick together as YRs and acknowledging that it's okay to have different flavors of YRs?
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i think that it all comes back to the republican creed and kind of the reagan 80 20 rule which everybody's probably heard a thousand times right so if we can agree with somebody 80 percent of the time they're on our team uh, and i think too you know there's a lot of division in our party at all levels for all kinds of reasons um but i think we need to remember we are all on the same team and you know regardless of where we fall on the republican spectrum uh the ideas of pretty much any of the republicans in virginia are going to be like hundred percent better than any of the democrats who are contesting any of these seats um and so you know i was talking to uh the fourth district chair carrie allen yesterday and she was like you know there are real tangible consequences of losing elections and of being divided uh you know and those include real families who will be you know lose opportunity real children that you know may be subject to infanticide if our governor's you know radical left agenda goes through and so those are all things that that we need to keep in mind. Uh, as much as we have differences of opinion, maybe different ways that we'd like to see policy applied, um, we need to remember that that's what we're fighting against and that's what we're here to combat. Um, and, you know, I think that one of the great things that, that I'm excited about is, uh, you know, Thomas set up a great model of this and, and we've continued it with the new board. We really have Republicans from all over that spectrum on our board. We've got, you know, folks that are very socially conservative and and folks that are not, folks that are, you know, focused on foreign policy, folks that are focused on economic policy, Second Amendment rights, whatever it may be. Um, And really, it's using people's different interests and talents um, to build the party and and give us a a very successful structure um, and to support our candidates instead of focusing so much on, on the small issues that divide us.
2: Yeah, I I think that's right. I think that um, it seems like a lot of people get so hyper focused on one single issue. And if you don't agree with them on that one single issue, then all of a sudden you're the enemy. And it's so funny because then I'll start I'll start asking that, you know, that person. um, So what do you think about this issue and this issue and this issue? And we agree on all of them. Mm -hmm. And then it gets to that one. And it's like, no. And so I bring up the 80-20 rule all the time, where it's like, I'm sorry, guys, but you've
0: got to see the bigger picture here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can tell you guys from experience, running for delegate, I was one of those YRs that threw my hat in the ring, didn't come up, uh, you know, I came up a little short, but so many questions on the campaign trail, when they're like, you know, look, our kids still fully aren't back to school. Mm-hmm. That's still a huge thing. Um. Right now, Virginia is the 13th most expensive state in the nation. We are the fifth most expensive state for childcare. So those are the issues I hope to speak to, but I'd have voters come up to me and they say, well, why aren't you speaking out about trans bathrooms? And I'm like, guys, I'm like, no pun intended. I don't give a shit. Like there's too many things <laughs> in front of us right now, right? Like, I, you know, I, and I, I was telling Kimmy this earlier today, we're chasing our tail. With Dr. Seuss and all these different things, and they are passing infanticide. They're passing, you know, all these radical bills, keeping our schools closed. And what are we doing? We're distracted. They want us to remain divided, distracted. Mm -hmm. And the reason, I mean, look, 10 years ago, or just wait, almost 10 years ago, 2013, I believe the reason we lost is not really because of our Canada, we weren't united. Do you guys remember Cuccinelli had his own signs and then like E.W. Jackson was a different, you know, kind of individual. He had his own signs and then Mark Obenshain had his own signs. And you look at the Democrats, it was Terry uh, Northam and uh, Herring, all one sign all together united. And they showed up Mm -hmm. everywhere together. And I'm hoping our ticket this time could learn that lesson.
1: Well, yeah, I'm, I'm really encouraged because it seems like from speaking with the campaigns and from speaking with a lot of the, the House of Delegates candidates um, that we really have everybody kind of working together and synergizing. I know last year that was, that was tough too. There were some, you know, some of our congressional candidates who didn't want to work with X, Y, or Z campaign or whatever, um, and again, we're not using our resources effectively, but it really seems like this year that our ticket is very united now that we have one at the top of ticket. And, you know, I really appreciate what Glenn Youngkin has been doing to support our House of Delegates candidates at the local level, too, because we know if we can contest those seats and if we can have those strong candidates with a strong presence in their community, that's going to push up our statewide totals, even if, you know, that candidate may not win, um, but it'll get us more recognition in specifically those really difficult blue areas that we really need to get a certain percentage in to win statewide. Yeah, yeah.
2: Jesse, well, how do you think? Um, so we've, you know, speaking of Yunkin, um, and and yeah, I'm on the Yeah, I've got, yeah <laughs> I got <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, so speaking of that, how do you think we can unite the party? So you have we we did have just a pretty it wasn't too contentious, but it was a contentious convention. Yeah. A little heated. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Um, how do you how do you um think that we can get to people and say, you know, I know Yunkin wasn't your first. Um, he may not have been your second, third or fourth,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: Yunkin is still working hard for people to be the number one. How do we get that message out? How do we tell people and and what do, what can you tell, you know, voters who are saying, well, I'm not voting for Yunkin?
1: Well, you know, I think, again, the first thing that I want to say is I just I appreciate that all of the candidates who were not successful in our nominating contest, have pretty much all come out and said, hey, we're gonna support the nominees. You know, we'll help them, we'll campaign for them.
0: Even Amanda.
1: disappointed by the results. Yeah, even Amanda Chase, who was threatening to run independent has said, you know what, we're gonna unite behind the nominee. And so I hope that the supporters of all those candidates will really listen to those statements and say, you know what, you're right, my candidate didn't win. This might not be my favorite choice. But we all know that uh, this is going to be a better option and that what we're fighting, we can't afford to be divided at this point. Um, So I think that's that's number one. And I really appreciate all the candidates that did that. Um, And number two is, I think, just putting things in perspective, because we need to look at the past year and a half. I mean, we could look at the entire Northam administration. We know what the Democrats do when they're in control of our General Assembly, when they're in control of the top of ticket. They're in the governor's mansion. We have a Democrat attorney general, Democrat lieutenant governor. We know what that looks like. It is radical, and it is making our state—you know—there's less opportunity, more expensive. Our kids are not back in school. Quality of education is dropping. We have Thomas Jefferson High School is right down the road from me, and that's that's been a huge issue locally, Um, not just with Republican voters, because uh, you know that school is a magnet school, it's one of the best schools in the country, they have a whole bunch of Nobel laureates as alumni, and it's it's majority Asian. Um, And the radical left is pushing an agenda that is not the blind standards test that that school has had for the past, it's allowed so many opportunities for really first and second generation immigrants uh, who have moved to this area specifically to benefit from a really high quality education. And so you know, we've seen the things that the Democrats are pushing to lower our standards of education, to make our kids less prepared for the workforce, and and to to lower the quality of life in Virginia, frankly. Um, And so I think really we need to message that to voters and keep that in perspective that, hey, if you're not okay with any of this, if you want a higher quality of life and more opportunity and more freedom, more ability to build a business and, and have the American dream, You've got two options one of them you know where it's going to get you and it's going to be less opportunity it's going we're going to be worse off and the other one might not be your first choice but hey it's worth giving it a shot because it's going to be better than what we have now
0: yeah jesse yeah. how how do we and and i think all three of us you know people might just because of our age out in the real world if they don't know who we are might assume we're democrats because a lot of people our age are democrats Jesse, what's like your, what's your life story? What's kind of your, I mean, that's kind of a loaded question, but like, what is your political journey? Were you born into a Republican family? You know, I always joke in my family, it was always, I grew up, it was Reagan, John Wayne and Jesus coming in at like number three, (laughs) right? So (laughs) you know, like what made you become a Republican? You know, did you grow up kind of independent and lean right? What, what's your story? So, um, I
1: grew up in a conservative family, but not a very political family, uh, so, you know, my parents voted every four years, mostly voted for the Republicans, um, but, you know, it wasn't something that was really part of our lives as, as much as it's obviously very heavily a part of my life now, pretty much what I spend all of my free time on, um, <laughs> which, you know, super worth it, I wouldn't change a thing, but, um, I moved to Virginia, uh, Because to go to college, and I know Mike and I have talked about this. We're both from upstate New York, so
0: both a little bit. I know you're Long Island, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm from downstate. You're from upstate. You're a little downstate, but yeah,
2: you're both Yankees. You're both Yankees.
0: We're
1: both Yankees. (laughs) Yankees. (laughs) Um, But I, you know, when I was getting ready to graduate high school, I looked at the opportunity. I looked at the cost of living in New York, and it was not. I didn't see opportunity. I didn't see a place where I could go build a life, and you know have the same quality of life that say my parents had or better. Um, I knew that that was going to be very difficult. And so you know I wanted to move somewhere. I've always been interested in politics. I wanted to move somewhere that was you know competitive um, at least. So I moved to Virginia because it was a purple state. I think it still is a purple state and it could be a red state but we got to get back there. Um, (laughs) And so you know I Really had no connections to politics. Not a lot of money. Paid my way through college. Worked at Waffle House.
0: Um, amazing. Look, as a Yankee, yeah. Waffle House. Isn't that the most amazing thing? It's so good. Hey, I man. know. <laughs>
2: I was born and raised in Virginia, and I love me some Waffle House. Like, like, I mean, I've,
0: it, worked,
1: I've worked nights at Waffle House. House. It and was a terrible great. shift, but I still love the food.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Waffle House is incredible.
1: So you know, like I, I uh, you know worked a minimum wage job to pay to be able to be involved in politics. I've worked, frankly, a lot of shitty jobs so that I can be involved in politics because I still want to be in a state where there's that much opportunity. Um, and so you know that's why I'm here. I'm kind of, I guess, what you could call a true believer. <laughs> so you know. That's why I do this. But I found, you know, an incredible community uh, in the Republican Party, which is, I guess, just kind of gravy on top of it. But, uh, you know, I would like to see us win a statewide election because we haven't since I've lived here. and I want to see
0: that. Well, and and Jesse, you've seen and I've seen what a state with no opportunity looks like. Yeah. And Kimmy, you're from Charlottesville, right? Like you're from Virginia. You've seen us march towards. I mean, when my family first moved to Charlottesville. We moved from Virginia back to New York, back to Virginia. Um, Charlottesville was ranked the number one place to live uh, in America on the East Coast for like 20 years. And now it's just as expensive as Nova. We're just (laughs) as blue as Nova, right? And Kimmy, like you've seen us march this way.
2: Yep, yep. And it was... it was crazy because people, you know, people will ask me, oh, well, you know, you grew up in Charlottesville, you went to UVA, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, actually, we were really conservative at one point. And that was the time when it was, oh, this is the best place to live. Like, it was consistent. And now all of a sudden we've had, you know, Charlottesville City Council. Everything has just kind of taken a I turn. I think there to was the a left.
0: Republican on City Council back in the 90s too, yeah. right? Like- yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, you know, Jesse and I come from a very, a place that is a cautionary tale. Because, Jesse, I, I guess when you're in the state, I assume, remember we had Pataki? Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. Uh, Giuliani. I mean,
1: when Pataki actually ran for president. I really liked him. I had a really soft spot for him. <laughs> Obviously, you know, I got on board with the nominee, but I had a, I had a soft spot for him because there was a time when New York could elect Republicans. Even if they weren't, you know, the brightest red Republicans, they were better.
0: Rick Lazio, like there were, there was a bunch or of Giuliani? Yeah, Giuliani, uh, Bloomberg, you know, well, that's another story, uh, but another story. he still got elected <laughs> as a Republican. And now I'm just, I'm afraid we are very much at this particular time in the end game, especially this strong of a ticket, if we can't win with this ticket, I hate to be a pessimist, it's game over folks. Like it, I, it's really hard. Like, I guess, how do you make us, I guess Kimmy, may, maybe you might be a little more positive than me or, or Jesse. How do we, how do we ensure that that doesn't happen? And if it does happen, how do we continue to tread forward?
1: Kimmy,
2: I think that goes from where you know getting everybody on board and stop with the just one issue things. Like, I mean, I, I don't know how many people I talked to that did not want to go vote in the convention. And participate and but yet I would see those same people complaining on social media constantly about you know what's going on in our county, what's going on in our cities, what's going on everywhere in it. But yet when I would ask them specifically, and I, I specifically targeted those people, will you go door knock with me? Will you put a delegate form in so you can go vote in this convention? Mm-hmm. Silence. And so I think, I think Mike is just getting people involved.
1: Mm-hmm. Jessie, I really I think agree, yeah, but. no, I think you hit on something really important. So um, a friend of mine with the Virginia project, uh, last year, probably over, over the summer last year, uh, sent me the Democrat unit guide uh, for Virginia, which is like almost a 200 page long PDF. And if you read it, Obviously, there's some stuff in there about, you know, who to work with and blah, blah, blah. But it's not an ideological document. It's an organizing document. It's all mm-hmm. strategy and tactics. And if you read it, and I'm happy to provide it to anybody who's listening to your podcast that wants to, wants to take a look, yeah. uh, because I think we need something similar. Um, it explains, really, how over the last 15 years, the Democrats have gone from being in the minority and not controlling statewide seats to controlling statewide seats and to controlling our redistricting process and it has it's all started with local organizing so Kimmy's absolutely right it starts with having a strong local presence it starts with running candidates for city council and school board and starting to take over at the local level local government and getting people involved in that finding aligned groups finding you know, specific community issues that we can talk about and we can be the advocates for. And having conservative solutions to those issues, obviously. Um, But it starts with really building credibility in each community. And there's a lot of our communities where that's going to take some time, especially in in the bluer areas. I'm up in Northern Virginia now. I lived in Chesapeake for six years. Chesapeake is wonderful. It's like the biggest, one of the biggest cities in Virginia, and it's mostly Republican governed um and and they do a great job there's a ton of opportunity there's a ton of businesses coming into there uh, the schools are good and, and and so i know what republican governance at the local level looks like and how successful it can be even in a i mean chesapeake is suburban but it's a relatively populous area um but then i'm up here in northern virginia now and i see what democrat controlled cities looks like um and so i see that you know at the local level especially since our local races are nonpartisan we can get conservatives elected. And that's a good building block for taking back House of delegate seats in blue areas, for taking back state Senate seats in local areas, and then for taking back congressional districts. Um, but we tend to think about things from an election cycle to election cycle mindset, because obviously we have elections every year. So it's a lot of bandwidth that that takes up. But what the Democrats have done and why they have been able to take Virginia over is because they've thought about this from a really long-term perspective. Um, And so, you know I hope we can win back control this year and stop that tide, but we still need to be planning for the long-term because we can't, it's not just enough to win one election. We have to build an infrastructure so that we can continue to be successful electorally.
0: Well, and I I think Sean Kenny actually wrote, I think he tweeted out an article from his paper, but he said that basically, Virginia didn't become blue overnight, it's been a 20-year process. Absolutely. Because, like, you know, I read the same document um, too from the Virginia Project. And, you know, say what you will about the Democrats. They're incredible organizers. They're incredible, incredible marketers. Mm-hmm. And they really know how to sell their message and make it look like this is, it's like sitting at the cool kids' table. Mm-hmm. Everything, pop yeah, everything. Yeah. Everything is connected to pop culture. Everything is, is hip, young, new. But, you know, it's, it's genius. And every, it almost reads like a battle plan. Because it, totally it really does. Is. It totally does. Dog catcher, school board, you know, I, I mean, everything. And over time, you're able to build, 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 and then you flipped an area. I believe it's called, like, the Colorado plan. That's, like, the official name yeah. or something. Yeah. They've done this so in so many states, and they're going to continue. They start, you know, obviously, up north is spreading. North Carolina, we might see that. We've seen that in Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. In, you know, uh, I'm trying to think what other South Carolina is, South Carolina, but they're running. I mean, Texas is even getting candidate.
1: purpler and purpler every election.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? Yeah. So it's, we have our work cut out, and it's a shame because the writings on the wall, and they've given us their strategy for free. Yep. And
2: like, we literally have the PDF. We
1: have the I know, PDF I know. Like, I go read it. <laughs> and, and seriously, if you're listening to this and you're interested, please go read it. It's important that we understand who we're fighting.
0: Yeah. Um, well, know like what it is? We literally have their plan, and, and we can't get it. Is? Is, <laughs> like, they have guerrilla warfare, <laughs> and we are still doing the British like lining up three rows by three rows and advancing. <laughs> like That's how it is. We're we need to go full there. on
2: Viking.
1: Yes. I agree with you. <laughs> but the thing is like and i might be a little biased here but i tend to find that conservatives are usually a lot more creative yeah because we are are maybe a lot more individualistic um and so i think that if we're able to organize in a similar way and realize that we have you know a long-term goal that we're all working towards i think we have a chance to be a whole lot more effective at that local level because we have The creative energy. We have the people who are willing to go out and kind of defy the norm and try something new. Um, And I, I don't know if that's something that we've encouraged heavily in our party for the last 15, 20 years, but I think it's something that we should encourage. It's something that really um, is foundational to why we believe the free market is the best supplier of human needs and economic justice. Cause I can put yeah. the party plan. <laughs> but, like, that's why we go do ahead. Things, because creative solutions are the best way to generate success.
2: Yeah, yeah. 100%. Jesse, I, I wanted ahead. to ask you, um, how did you, so speaking of like running and, and putting t- stuff together, uh, you and I ran on the same ticket. Um, yeah. and i wanted to know you know what was it like for you to run and you know have you ever run for any other offices
1: well so um, in 20, 2019 i ran for national committee woman um, last year in 2020 uh, thomas and i actually when i was living in the third district both ran for rNC delegate uh, which was really a great experience uh we both were th- thomas was the number one and i was the number two vote getter in that that race. So that was quite an honor, even though we didn't get to actually attend the convention, which was, you know, kind of a bummer, Um, but hopefully we will in the future. Uh, And then, you know, I've been, I've been a local club chair as well. Um, So, you know, I've had experience running local party races. I've never run for office. I don't know if I ever will. Who knows? (laughs) If I need to, I will. But, um, but I think that, you know, it's kind of scary to step up and do that, but, I'm a pretty opinionated person, and um, I think more than that, I'm a very collaborative person. So, whenever I've run for something, it's been something that I've been asked to run for by a group of people, um, because I want to know that if I'm going to run for something or if I'm going to hold a position, that I'm going to be representing the organization or the party or whatever I'm doing well. Um, and so, a big part of our campaign uh, that I know, you know, we. We were unopposed, so that was nice. Um, but a big part of our campaign that we did at the beginning when we didn't know if we would have opponents is, uh, yeah, YRP resurgence. Uh, we put out the resurgence page, and we focused a lot on helping people get involved. We focused a lot on introducing all of our team members so that they were all accessible. Um, when I was building this slate, I focused a lot on talking with the stakeholders in those districts that were part of YRs. Um, whether you know, there's a couple of folks who are YRs who are unit committee leaders, or you know, local club chairs and stuff like that. So when I was filling out the those district positions or you know, our statewide positions, um, a lot of that was talking with people who were going to be affected by that decision, figuring out who they thought was the best leader, most well-equipped for for their area, um, and finding people who were really invested in growing our party, supporting our candidates, and building a better infrastructure so that we can we can have that long-term vision um, so it's really exciting we had our ticket meeting at uh, the beginning of the convention last weekend um, and I know everybody had such incredible ideas that they brought and such incredible goals for their areas and 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 their job that, that they're going to be doing for the next two years and so I think that's the most encouraging there's so many young people who when you step up and say like I want to run for something or I'm going to take on this project or I'm going to lead this, there are so many people in this party who are going to say, I'll do that too. I'll help you. And like, I think that it's just, there's a lot of grassroots energy and it's it's time for us to take on leadership in the party in a bigger way because we have great ideas and our members are ready to do that. Um, So, you know, if anybody out there is considering running for something, step up, put yourself out there. There's a ton of people who want to support you. Uh, I think that's the most important thing. And I, I'm even surprised by the level of support that I
0: got from from all different people all over Virginia. And I was like, hey, I'm gonna do this. So it was cool. <laughs> well, well, look, a, a, lesson from, a lesson from my race. I mean, I, I stepped up and, you know, I, th- I always found that there's two factions in our party. There's some that are like, go ahead, do it, absolutely but then there is kind of the good old boys network and that exists in any political organization. Sure. And you know, look, as someone who is individualistic, I don't believe in ring kissing, um, that ticked a lot of people off. Um, but it's interesting because I found and I tapped into support that I wouldn't have even discovered if I didn't step up. That wasn't yeah. already there. I brought new people into the process, into the fold and addressed issues that frankly pulled new voters in. Um, And I think that's the important thing. We have to toss our hat in the ring. We have to do it. You Mm -hmm. shouldn't ask anybody's permission because there are going to be people. I mean, I was told, why don't you run for school board? Why don't you run for city council? Why, you know, that's too big of a step. Meanwhile, AOC at 28 years old became a congresswoman. And then people forget that Madison Cawthorn,
1: people didn't want
0: him. People didn't want him until he won. And now they're like, oh, we love him. Yeah. You know? Yes. But he stepped up. So, you know, I'm glad, Jesse, you are encouraging us to really take back Virginia, that you're leading the way, and that you are bringing that new energy that we so desperately need in the party. As we close off here, you recommended one piece of reading, um, and and that's the Democratic playbook. But what's a book you're reading and a show you're watching as we wrap up here?
1: Um, So for shows I'm watching, I really love true crime. So whatever true crime documentaries are out on Netflix (laughs) is usually what I'm watching. Um, So I enjoy those. Uh, But for books that I'm reading, I would really recommend 33 Strategies of War, um, which is a really fantastic leadership and conflict book. Um, And it basically, it goes through examples all the way from like Pablo Picasso's art career to like... 15th century samurais and everything That's in between amazing. It talks about wow. how to maximize division, conflict, things like that for productive reasons. Um, so I think it's a fantastic book. You'll learn a ton. Uh, it's, it's long, uh, but it's, it's very interesting. So definitely recommend.
0: All right. Awesome. And, and, and Kimmy, since you are a new guest host, what do you recommend?
1: Oh, I don't know. Um,
2: books. I am. I'm a mom, so I have a 10-month-old and a 5-year-old. So, um books are Princesses Wear Pants 2. Um oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually a really great book. Um and there was a new show that we wa- that I'm watching and I cannot remember the name of it, but it's amazing. What, what channel? It's on Netflix. Um it's the picture of it is like this bird, uh something about something about bl- uh black Bird and Thorn, or something—I don't know.
0: I, don't I was know. about okay. to say, jess you, you like true crime. If you guys are watching *Mayor of Easttown* on HBO,
1: I have not yet,
0: but I've heard no. it's good. Amazing, amazingness.
1: Now so. I recently watched one on *The son. son of Sam Killer*, which was which was pretty interesting. <gasps> oh, <gasps> that on
2: Netflix, was really good. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, it was like all this like conspiracy and stuff behind it, where they thought like they convicted the wrong person, or there was more people involved. It was pretty cool. So,
2: yes, and the dog and
1: conspiracy. Like I love conspiracy stuff. <laughs> Super. <fun>. Oh boy.
2: <laughs> I didn't know that the guy. I didn't know that the guy was getting orders from the man's dog, or that was like one of the conspiracies. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: That's. Come on, Mike.
0: You got to watch it. Y- you know it's it's interesting. <laughs> I have to make kind of a blanket uh, a blanket statement. I'm convinced I have not met one girl that's not into true crime stuff. Like it's like <laughs> a whole thing. You know, like like seriously, there's not one female that's like you that, yes love murder mysteries and true crime and what all is that, that, I, don't say that. I don't know. It's just it's
1: interesting. I, I have a bunch of true crime podcasts that I listen to in the background while I'm working. It's
0: cool. All right. I did listen to one. There's one, it's like an iHeartRadio, whatever. Now, we're not being sponsored by them yet. But free plug the, the one about the congressman, he was like a congressman in Alaska, and he went missing on a plane, and no one ever found him. Oh,
1: yeah. I, I know what case you're talking about because, yeah,
0: I've, I've heard yeah, that. Like, someone in a put, like a bomb on the plane, apparently. What? Yeah. What is like this? It, I need to watch this now or listen well, to like this. it's like a true crime podcast, but it was like, a senator and like his an an aide or something, some sort of diplomat in Washington, go on this plane, fly to Alaska. That's the end of them.
2: Well, that's why you just don't go to Alaska. You stay in Virginia.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. There was another guy. There was another one about like a guy who would like kidnap women and like fly over this bog and like after he killed them and drop the bodies out. So super hard to find because they're in the middle of this like, yeah. But like nobody can figure out how they got there because he dropped them on a plane. I don't know. It's it's nuts. But I have a friend who has been to like, like I think he owned a cafe or a restaurant. And like there's a friend who's been there. Anyway, that's crazy amazing. stories. <laughs> Shadow
2: and Bone. Shadow and Bone is the name of the show. That's oh, okay. Yeah, like it's really good. I'm obsessed.
0: I'll, I'll have to I'll have to check it out because I'm at the point where I'm just rewatching. I have a newborn, so I'm rewatching old shows. I watched House of Cards from season one to six for, like, the 15th time. <laughs>
2: so that's but at me. least you didn't say, like, Gilligan's Island or something.
0: <laughs> oh, no, no. But, I mean, you, I don't know. You know my dad. My dad yeah. and I have been binge watch Frasier 47 times from season one <laughs> to impressive. season 11. From, like, the time I was seven, yeah. Like, it's been a whole thing.
1: What's so your guys, we like, background binge-watch show? Is its it is – it-
0: Frazier. Yeah, we're because yeah. you know the dialogue, you know the episodes, but it's it's a comfort thing in the background. Absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. How about you, Kimmy? Um, I would probably because I have children. It's probably like um, Blaze and the Monster Machines.
0: <laughs> is that so,
2: new? No, you will learn, my friend. You will learn. <laughs>
0: boys in the monster machine there's
2: not okay. going to be any more fraser on the tv it's going to be like i don't know whatever's popular sammy and the dinos or whatever
0: it is. oh
2: my gosh <laughs> my new one is letter kenny
1: i i like i think oh, i hilarious. love that
0: show <laughs> it's so oh, hilarious yeah yeah the canadian the canadian yeah. show mm-hmm.
1: I've watched it through a couple times now and and I grew up in a relatively rural area. So I find a lot of the things like specifically really funny being like a 4-H kid and stuff like that. (laughs)
0: To to close out on, if you guys haven't another show, once again, we're not being paid by any of these people, but Ted Lasso.
2: Yes. Yes. I love that show.
0: show in a long time.
2: Yep. Yep. Jesse, have you watched it? I
1: don't think I have,
2: but I'll have to. You will love it. Oh, yeah. and Space Force. Yes.
1: I tried <laughs> Space Force, and I had a hard time getting into it.
2: Give it, like, two or three episodes. Okay. Because well, then you'll start, you'll start finding some similarities of, like, politics. In <laughs> see, <it. laughs>
0: the movie we were supposed to see, the movie we were supposed to see, apparently never came out, but it ties into this episode. There was going to be a movie called Young Republicans. What with, yeah, with um Daniel Radcliffe and I forgot the other Dane Dehan, and they were cast as Lee, a young Lee Atwater, and Carl Rove. Oh. oh my god, that and needs to be on movie. the shelf since 2013. No. Really, oh. yeah, and I was like, oh my god, I want to see this movie. Like, we have just got like,
1: that sounds amazing, but also. Kimmy and I have talked about this. We need an RPV sitcom. Mm-hmm.
0: We just it <laughs> yes. needs to oh, there's oh, that's a whole other episode. We there's a go, lot of
1: asking. material. There's like a ton of material. I love everybody, but it needs to happen. It would be great.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like,
2: I mean, it would be. It would be kind of like that um, show that it's the circus right now. I don't know what. Show yes, I love it's the called circus. The, the circus, but it's like follows like politics it that's
0: what it is with my former co-host matt i i was like dude we gotta have a virginia version because mm-hmm. there's so much that was- goes down oh
2: gosh there'd be like you'd, you'd have to have a season for each faction of our party
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh oh yeah
1: <laughs> like the different storyline i just think it would be great to hear the same event told by like two sides of the coin on whatever and That'd like amazing
0: like the office just like interviews, interview said. i think. sure we get oh, some yeah. really
1: interesting retellings of things.
0: Oh, my God. With like acted out like dramatizations. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, Jesse, thanks for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. A long time. And guys, get used to seeing Kimmy because she is the official co-host. On brand new podcast, we thank you, Jesse, for coming on with us.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Look forward to seeing more from both of y'all. Yay! All right. All right.